0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Not About Wrestling. I'm Chris
1: Illuminati. I'm Stephanie Bowen, and I am shocked that Chris did that in a normal tone of voice.
0: Um, As much as I love our outtakes, I didn't want you to have to edit too many more. So (laughs) I'm trying to stay on an even keel and be completely normal and not blow everybody's eardrums out or make you throw it through equalizer. I'm trying to be mellow and this is my NPR voice. That I'm not that gonna kind of boring. I'm not gonna do my cracked out podcast, jacked up voice.
1: Kopi just growled when you said that, so he does not agree.
0: He doesn't like my NPR voice, or he doesn't like my. I don't think so. Kopi, can you hear me?
1: COVID. No. You're can, in my
0: ears. can I talk to you about something I just here's yeah. what I want to talk to you about. And it's partially okay. my fault, but it's also your fault. I have had king of wishful thinking in my head for easily a week. Now, granted it was my fault. Well, technically it was my gym's fault.
1: How many times have we talked about your gym? Music or your gym in general on this. We're not talking about my gym
0: right now. What we're going to talk about is the song came on. I texted you that it was a banger. And then I got stuck down a rabbit hole of that song. And then I sent it to you, which then made it into a thing. And then I see your Instagram story and you're working out to it. And like, it's that part's your fault that it keeps going. Because
1: it's one of my favorite songs. It's your fault for bringing it to my attention because I'm obsessed with that song. I've been trying to get my band to cover that song for years.
0: Well, they're not going to because it's just wishful thinking.
1: No, we are <laughs> That's funny. Um, we are. We're, we are we are going to do it.
0: Well, then I will never come to one of your shows because I don't want it stuck in my head again. <laughs> Unless I'm allowed to come on stage and sing.
1: You absolutely are.
0: We will don't welcome need anyone. I fall at your feet. I mean, that's because you cut me to the bone. And it's I don't wild need-
1: to me that I am the singer here and you sing significantly more than I do on this podcast.
0: Can I tell you how annoying I was playing golf this weekend, singing that song and others?
1: Oh, you did?
0: Oh God. Yeah, they were like, shut up. But you know what I love doing? And this is like low key, one of my favorite, like uh, let's call it a rib because we're on a wrestling podcast. So let's call it a rib. I have this amazing ability to start singing a song, but I won't sing it loud. I will just sing it around someone and then i'll kind of repeat the same chorus over and over again and within minutes the other person starts singing it and they have no idea why and i i love it's like one of my favorite things to do like i'll start singing
1: intentionally intentionally too. not
0: not always like sometimes i'll start singing a song and then i'll be like all right i'm singing this a lot and then i'll go wait, I'm just going to sing it to get that in their head. It happened when I was playing golf. I started singing a song. I don't remember which one it was, but like five minutes later, my friend John starts singing the song. And I was like, sorry, dude, I put that in your head. He goes, I don't even know if I know that song (laughs) that that I'm singing. He's like, I know, I, I know, I know it, but I don't know it. Like, I know it's a song, but I don't know it. And I won't know where to get it. I was like, you got it from me.
1: Which I'm means right. he's only repeating the only part he knows, if he knows right. any or whatever you were saying, and then probably getting super frustrated because he can't right. finish it.
0: Right. And then, like, 10 minutes later, my friend Don's going up to the T, and he's like, I'm
1: making a wishful we'll
0: thing. Like, I could hear him singing it. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, my plan is working. <laughs> there's plan. no end game to it. Like there's not, I don't get anything out of it except the satisfaction of putting a earworm in someone else's
1: head. That someone else has the same song stuck in their head that you do. Yeah. If I kinda I kinda you like, have to suffer. Someone else has to suffer. You're just I'm not be suffering because I like singing it. I know. You just and you started off this podcast by complaining about it. And I don't
0: miss the way that you go. I'm gonna sing it on the way to Target now. Um as you should. Speaking of uh ear earworms and things that stuck in your head.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Our guest today is Nikita Kolov.
1: Where did the, I, wait? Okay.
0: I'm gonna get so, to why that's a segue a oh, Okay. Okay. So we talked to Nikita about many things. And one of the things that we talked about was his faux Russian accent.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: And how he did it everywhere.
1: Yeah. he's At all times. <laughs> three years after he retired.
0: Still did the accent. So I'm, that feels like a song where, not a song, but that feels like kind of like an earworm where, you know, you have the accent that you do for all these years and then you just have to stop doing it. But I can't imagine... So in that time, he probably talked to people outside of the business. Like if he's always doing that accent, he's walking up to his neighbor and doing a Russian accent. And then one day your neighbor doesn't have a Russian accent anymore. Have you ever faked an accent? No. Okay.
1: I randomly get an accent. Yeah. (laughs)
0: I noticed (laughs) y'all.
1: Not even. So when I'm drunk, it comes out, but also If I spend more than twenty four hours in Nashville, one hundred percent country accent. It just comes out of me. That's also what comes out when I'm drunk. But
0: what if I told you that you are not the first woman to tell me that when she gets drunk, she gets a southern accent?
1: I mean, I I believe it. What is that? (laughs) I don't know.
0: Like, why three beers in? Why, like,
1: hey y'all? I always say y'all. It's just the way I say it that changes. I'm either saying y'all or I'm saying y'all or I'm like holding out vowels and stuff.
0: Use it in different situations.
1: No. no.
0: Say, uh, ask your friends if they're coming over.
1: Ask my friends if they're coming over. If I'm saying, hey, y'all. Are y'all coming over?
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. What if you're mad? I don't think I say y'all when I'm mad.
0: Like, what if your friends ruin your house, like, at a party and like,
1: what are y'all doing? Yes, then it would come out like that. Yes.
0: So you're actually doing the things that I'm saying that you're doing that you said you don't do.
1: <laughs> I, I, if I'm not in this situation, I don't know what I'm doing. Half the time, I don't even realize it until I say it. And then someone immediately makes fun of me for it. Okay. And repeats it back to me. And they're like, you said what there? You, you just did it to me recently. I can't remember what... I said, oh, it was, it was on our podcast intro last week or two weeks ago where something country came out of me. <laughs>
0: I don't know. That sounds like you should see a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> something country came out of me. <laughs> doctor, I was in the bathroom and something country came out of me. Um, I've never faked an accent, but I have tried to disguise my Jersey accent.
1: See, I don't think you have a Jersey accent unless you purposely disguise it in podcast.
0: No, I think it's because you're from Maryland and you're kind of familiar with the Jersey, the hybrid Jersey, Pennsylvania accent. So I think it's not new to you, but I think in certain situations, like the way I say water or the way I say, uh, there's another thing that I say. So I try not to, so I kind of disguise it in that way. I try to speak more of the Queens English.
1: The Queen's English. So, our podcast l- listeners that are not from the East Coast, we need Probably y'all either. to tell us. We sh- should just have had people guess where we're from, uh, which is not possible because you talk about Jersey literally any chance you get.
0: Fake Southern girl and the idiot.
1: I haven't seen your tattoo in forever. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't do it. It's hidden. It. I can't even get it on screen. There it is. <laughs> oh, there it is dun, 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 dun. for our viewers. I mean, what do you have it?
0: Wait, I like how you said, uh, I haven't made a New Jersey reference when there's literally two Bruce pictures right behind me.
1: I mean, it's permanently there, but if we're talking to people, hmm. we talked uh, when we talked to Sean a couple weeks ago, you didn't, didn't show mention, your tattoo,
0: and I didn't mention Jersey.
1: you did. You guys talked about it for a second when I, he was talking about getting beat up in Jersey,
0: but not in the lengths that I usually do.
1: <laughs> no, wait. I think ever since I bugged you about it, you've like pulled it back. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I've 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 brought it back in. Yeah. I don't let my New Jersey. I'm trying to think of a guest that would really make my New Jersey come flying out. Joey Janela. Oh, yeah. Oh, if we get Joey Janela, it's going to be a New Jersey fest.
1: Isn't Enzo from Jersey? Or is he in New York?
0: Yeah, I feel like he's Staten Island. Uh, oh, yeah. I feel like he's Staten Island. But if we get Joey Janella on here.
1: Then it'll just be out of control.
0: It'll it'll be like every New Jersey reference ever.
1: <laughs> I'll just be like, I'm going to opt out of this one.
0: <laughs> He's going to be like, Why the hell did I come on this show?
1: <laughs> just to talk, about, talk Jersey. about New
0: Jersey the whole time, <laughs> not about wrestling, all about Jersey.
1: One hundred percent, our tagline.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: Except for this episode, which yes. is Where about we to
0: Nikita Yeah, the Russian nightmare, not from Russia. <laughs> and we talked to him about. Uh, the doing the accent, his debut about Minnesota
1: is what we, we talked, talked about.
0: We talked about Minnesota, we talked about his debut, uh, which he had never stepped foot in a wrestling ring before that, which is
1: insane. So insane! Insane,
0: like step didn't even train, never took a bump, and he's in a squash match. <laughs> it's, I don't want exactly. to it exactly, but it's bonkers. And, um, I, you know what? And we talked to him for a, over an hour and a half the most fascinating part was the last five or 10 minutes when he was talking about Rocky Rocky audition. Cause I knew that, but I feel like it was kind of an, I always thought it was like kind of an urban legend or like one of those things where like some guy said that they auditioned for a movie and it really, you know, really didn't happen. Cause it's been 20 years. There's no way to check, but he literally was going to be Ivan Drago.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Which is insane to me. So obviously stick around for that part. But uh, Nikita is a good guy. He's now a minister. Uh, Great guy to talk to, nine grandkids, Mm-hmm. which just, is insane.
1: Just got the ninth, right? Yep.
0: Yeah. So um, Nikita was fun. Did you have a favorite part of the, show, of the episode?
1: It was without all great. It.
0: Without ruining it. Was
1: without ruining it. No, he is just – and I mentioned it to him towards the end before we dive into 10 count that he's just such a genuine person and it was just a blast to talk to. And I think people – We'll hear that back in the interview. It's just, it was such an enjoyable experience that I kind of forgot that we had been talking for 90 minutes.
0: The only thing that upset me is I just realized we talked to him for an hour and a half and I did not ask him once to do the accent.
1: He did it a little bit in the beginning, but did he? yeah, you didn't. Okay. Well, yeah.
0: I'm, I'm not, well a part of me is glad I didn't and a part of me wishes I did.
1: It just makes you different.
0: True. That's true. I'm sure everybody asks him to
1: do the accent. It's like, play (laughs) Freebird! Oh, God, yes. As a singer in a band.
0: (laughs) Play Freebird, y'all!
1: Anytime. (laughs) My friend does solo acoustic, and people will yell at him to play Freebird, and he will play it, and he will play the longest version of it possible. He'll do, like, an entire set of just Freebird. He's like, you want Freebird? You're going to get Freebird. That's what I would do. Yeah,
0: it's all their fault. Mm-hmm. well uh here's uh, nikita not doing the greatest hits <laughs> <laughs> he's just being nikita and it's a it's a pretty great interview um let's talk to nikita and we're back everybody and we are here with the russian nightmare Mr. Nikita Koloff. Nikita, I want to just start off by saying this. I just want to get it out. This
2: is from 10-year-old me. I hate your guts. <laughs> I, I receive that, I, and I appreciate that, Chris. Thank you very much. I'll take that as one of the highest compliments I could receive. What's it like to
0: work in a profession where you are the quote-unquote bad guy, and when people say, I hate your guts, that's a compliment?
2: Yeah, no, for for real. I mean, the the reality is, back in those days, anyway, if if you were a bad guy and they didn't hate your guts, that wasn't a good thing. That, that, that didn't that didn't draw people into the arena, and that didn't sell tickets. So, it's I, I'm, I'm kind of tongue in cheek in a sense, but for real, uh, I do take that as a, as a, as a high high compliment that that people did. And it was part of, the, part of the persona, and you might say it came with the territory. So, I, I uh, yeah, I look back on that with fond memories. Did, so,
0: when you first came in, was the idea to automatically be Russian, like the whole accent and
2: everything, was that the first idea they threw at you? Oh, yeah. I mean, that was, that was the first phone call. I mean, when uh, when Road Warrior Animal called me and shared with me the idea of of uh, a nephew for Ivan Koloff. Now, for the record, I didn't know who Ivan Koloff was. Uh, I just understood they were looking for 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 someone to uh, f- kind of feel. F- they were creating this this character and and looking for someone to fill fill this fill the spot. Animal felt like I was the guy and shared that story with me and. Somebody asked me recently, you know, you know, were you any other character prior to that or the answer is no, I was never I I was never an amateur wrestler. I had no professional background, no professional training or anything else prior to the phone call or prior to my introduction on the interview set or my debut in a wrestling ring.
1: That is crazy. Yeah. Cause you, cause road warrior animal was the one who got you in because of football, right? That's how you guys knew each other. He,
2: he did. Hi Stephanie, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. The answer to that question is yes. I actually, you might say turnabout's fair play, right? I actually recruited animal out of Irondale high school in New Brighton, Minnesota to from from a newspaper, saw him in a newspaper. He was all conference. He was a football star in high school, recruited him to play college football with me. That's where we became best of friends. I finished college. He, he eventually dropped out of college. And next thing I know, he got into professional wrestling. Once I graduated and I was training, I was at the time training for a pro football tryout he called me with with the opportunity with uh, Jim Crockett Promotions.
0: So let's go back. So you and Animal didn't go to high school together, but you went to the high school that was basically like the miniature monster factory because it. it so many wrestlers came from that high school. What was it about your high school that
2: made so many wrestlers? I was in the water tower, Chris. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, it was it was all those minerals in the water tower. Uh, <laughs> Robinsdale, Robinsdale just had good drinking water. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't. I, honestly, I'm like that. It was just it, it was a mecca uh, for professional wrestling. For and, and I don't know. You probably, obviously, referring to there. There was a nucleus of us in in, in school at one time. Mm-hmm. But for those who don't know, two other legendary guys in professional wrestling that that came out of Robinsdale High School. Were Vern Gagne, who was, uh, you know, a wrestling icon at the University of Minnesota, and later the AWA, and then uh, Mean Gene Okerlund was also a graduate. Uh, now years prior to me, but but nevertheless, same high school. Wow, that's yeah. absolutely amazing, Steph. How many wrestlers came out of your high school?
1: I don't know that there are any. None none notable at least. Yeah, who knows.
2: <laughs> I think we oh, did. Now you probably had an amateur program but maybe no professionals, right? Yes.
1: Yeah, no no professional wrestlers. Definitely, yeah, definitely JV Varsity, but <laughs> It might have been the drinking water. <laughs> yeah, we didn't have that same water. We it wasn't the Minnesota drinking water. My Maryland it's water. It, it, hey, same.
2: land of 10,000 lakes, lots of minerals in the water.
1: It may it all makes sense now. <laughs>
2: So, so you're playing football. That kind of ends. You were you were actually trying to go pro, and well, you got hurt, right? I, I was, yeah. I, I sustained two what could have been two career-ending injuries in in college. And for those who uh, of your listeners uh, that, that your viewers that may be avid football fans, they and, and old enough to remember. Well, old enough to remember the Joe Feisman when when Lawrence Taylor fractured his leg more recently um the uh uh gosh they just had the quarterback quarterback's name who for washington once alex again smith. alex smith yeah huh alex smith alex smith you want to hear a little now, now this is very random but but nevertheless very crazy so alex smith fractured his leg just like joe Feisman wearing the same uniform on the same day
1: yeah, Where yeah is that? it's insane.
2: That's a little trivia there for your listeners, but like for real, I had to look that up. I'm like, that can't be real, but it was. Anyway, so I fractured my freshman year. Speaking of two fractures, I fractured my freshman year, a Joe Theismann fracture was able to come back, rehabilitate and play three more years of college ball only to fracture my other leg the same way my senior year in college, but was determined to come back. I thought I could come back from it once. I can come back from it again. I did. And so I was training for a pro football trial when I got that phone call from Animal.
1: Now, is that training different from football to wrestling for what you did? Or was it it similar? Because I'm thinking how you could recover from that, but not be scared to hurt something again.
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, it's Stephanie at that age. You know, I was 18 the first time, I was 21 the second time. Uh, it, well, almost, yeah, twenty almost 22. It, it was a mindset. In other words, at that age, I think perhaps some of us can identify, especially guys, Stephanie, you know, I'm, I'm 10 foot tall and bulletproof, right? Nothing can hurt me or I can overcome anything. And, and so, it was a state of mind that I could I could make a comeback and continue to play, and 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 not be afraid of getting injured again. Um, the, the minute as an athlete, the minute you go onto a football field or into a wrestling ring with injury in the back of your mind, many times that's when you're going to get injured or get injured and and you know get injured again maybe even more severe. And so I, I just never had that mindset. I just had, you know, that mindset that I can overcome any any of these injuries, whether in wrestling or in football and the training. Um, I, I wouldn't say the training was necessarily different because I did essentially the same training for football it, it, as far as in the weight room. Anyway, maybe not mental preparation, but as far as physical preparation, I did the same for football that I did for for, uh, professional wrestling.
0: So when you're rehabbing that injury, um, were you big into the gym before that? Or is that really when you started working out? Because obviously, I mean, you were a specimen when you were working out. I mean, you were um, wrestling. Did that happen before or when you started wrestling? Did you really get into working out?
2: That's a great question. Age 12, Chris, age 12. I picked up, I, I, I say stumbled across I picked up a magazine called Iron Man. It was a bodybuilding magazine, and and as a 12 year old, and you know, I was probably 100 pounds, you know, drip, you know, dripping wet at that time, you know, with rocks in my pocket, um, you know, kickstand in the face, and, and and I just got like enamored with the pictures, and and I, I for real like remember saying at age 12, one day, I'm gonna look like one of those guys, you know, I, I just got that vision in my head. One day, I'm going to look like one of those guys. I went and bought a 110-pound plastic weight set from Sears and Roebuck (laughs) back in the days with my hard-earned paper route money, and I began to exercise and read the articles. Two years later, I met Jerry McFarlane. Who's Jerry McFarlane? He was the health teacher at my junior high school. More importantly, though, he was a professional bodybuilder. He took me under his wing and began to teach me about nutrition, exercising, eating, all of that. And fast forward 12 years, okay? Age 12, quote, one day I'm going to look like one of those guys. Fast forward 12 years, the day I walked into Jim Crockett's office, I was 285 pounds, 8% body fat with a 34 inch waist. You did it. I did it, Stephanie. (laughs) I spoke it. That to all your listeners out there, pay attention. I spoke it. I believed it. I did it.
0: It's always amazing that something like that happens. Like you have to say that your physique was one of the things that attracted you. Like people would look at you and say, "Okay, that guy should be something. That guy should be a wrestler or anything." But it was literally you picking up a magazine. Do you remember what made you gravitate towards that? Like, what was it about you? little Nikita kind of looking at the comic or looking at the comic stand and
2: going, I want that magazine. Was there something inside you? Yeah, there was a driving force, uh, for sure. Uh, you know, because I come a little more backstory for, for, for your audience. I mean, I, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't come from the, 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 it came from a certain side of the tracks, meaning for me, uh, and just if, you, if, if, If your audience hasn't figured it out by now, I'm not from Russia. Just want you to know that just in case you're still wondering. Wait, what? Uh, Not good. (laughs) I'm sorry, Stephanie. No, not good English tutoring. shattered
1: my dreams.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I I just shattered it. I know. Um, But I I come from uh, a a background in Minneapolis, Minnesota, where the official title would be Minneapolis Housing Authority. Uh, In our vernacular... The projects and the ghettos of Minneapolis. And so that's that that was the, the humble beginnings. That's where life began for me. And in my mind, uh, I just knew one day once I got out of there that, that I just knew that I knew I was going to do something positive with my life. So what I, when I saw that magazine, I was just drawn to it and as I said, enamored by by the physiques in the magazine. And then and then spoke and made that statement, spoke the word and and just pursued it.
1: Uh going back to your Russian comment where we just learned that it's not a thing. Um, I did hear you telling a story recently about an autograph signing where the woman got mad at you for not being Russian.
2: Yeah, it's, that story. It's, it's great. It's crazy. I'm, I'm like I'm like people, like the internet. Hello, go check it out. you know, and, and podcasts. I mean, but um, so yeah, yeah. In fact, Lex Luger and I were uh, we're doing an autograph signing together in Virginia just just a while back, and 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 we're signing away. And I will like, yeah, I hear this fluent Russian, and I'm like, oh dear lord, here here we go again. You know, I'm like because for the record, I don't speak Russian. I can count to ten in Russian. I can throw a few words out there in Russian, but I it fluently, not going to happen. But I, I thought, well, if I ignore her long enough, she'll go away. Well, she wasn't going anywhere. Finally, I look up. I make eye contact, and she's glowing, Stephanie. Like, she's got a little girl with her. She's glowing, you know? She says something else in Russia, and I look, and I go, ma'am. I go, I'm not really from Russia. And she went from a glow to like a scowl. I mean, like she took like a step back. She goes, you're not really from Russia. You know, kind of a broken accent. And I go, ma'am, it was just a character that I portrayed. She goes, I drove three hours here to meet you like one of her heroes, right? And and, and I go, I'm, I'm so sorry. She was so mad, Stephanie. She never did get an autograph, poor little girl. She drove three hours home, six hours in a car. I felt bad, felt bad. <laughs> that's, that's insane. Walk us back to, so,
0: they bring you into Jim Crockett. They want you to be the Russian nightmare. Do they
2: ask you if you can do a Russian accent? Like, what? what how far does that go? No, nope. uh, I mean, they just, all Jim Crockett said, the day I met him, the day he first took laid eyes on me. Now, keep in mind, months earlier, he and I only had a five-minute phone call. I mean, there was no selfies going on here and, you know, hey, send me your picture and any of that. I had a five-minute phone call. That was it. And he said, he, his only instructions were, and I made sure he understood, Mr. Crockett, you understand, I have no amateur wrestling background. I have no professional training, zero, nada, nothing. He said, yep, it's what they told me. I go, and you're good with that. He goes, yeah. I go, what's next? He goes, be in my office on such and such a day with your head shaved bald. I go, that's it? He goes, that's it. I go, see you then. I hung up the phone. I didn't have another conversation with him. I showed up at his office the day they said to be there, a town I'd never been before, with everything I owned in my name. He took a look at me, you know, walked out, walked in with two guys, Ivan Koloff, Don Kernodal, and said, "Take a look at your new partner, Nikita Koloff's born in the hallways of Charlotte that day." And all he said was, "You're going to do be on the interview set every time these guys do an interview with your shirt off and a chain around your neck." Don't speak because you're just off the boat, so you don't know any English. Stand there, look mean. I go, I think I can do that, and I'm going to get paid. Okay, that's cool. Uh, never, No discussion of money or anything else. So we did hours of interviews, Chris. We finished, and he said, be in Raleigh, North Carolina tomorrow, tomorrow night, the Dorton Arena. You're going to wrestle on television. Never been in a ring. I said, okay. And so I rode up with Don and Ivan, and, and and the the old cliche go. The rest was history, right? An eleven second win on television, and the rest was history.
1: Now that's interesting to think. What did Ivan say about you coming in and having this t- totally green guy that doesn't know what he's doing in the ring with him?
2: Well, I mean they they. You know, Don Cronodo and Sergeant Slaughter were the original guys who came up with the idea for a nephew for Ivan. And Ivan's like, yeah, great idea. You know, Ivan's moving into his 40s, you know. And, and so, you know, to have somebody, you know, ideally young and looks the part, you know, he was thrilled about the, the whole idea, the whole storyline, right? Uh, so he was 100% aboard with it. Uh, of course, everybody, Croft and everybody else was hoping. I, I had the look, apparently. Now they were just hoping I could ca- carry the ball when they handed it to me. Right. And so, you know, he would later, Stephanie say to me, you know, I, and obviously a, a leading question would be with the story I just told and guys who'd maybe been in the business for five, six, seven, eight years, who who never got a break like that. Was there any jealousy among the guys? Well, the, the short answer to that would be yes, but Ivan was instrumental, in fact, so encouraging to say to me, Nikita, obviously, you never paid your dues, so to speak, in a territory somewhere else, but you paid your dues in the gym. You know, you, you, you've given your whole heart into this whole character. So don't let that bother you. You just stay focused and continue to learn and do what you're doing. This is one thing that, like, maybe you can speak
0: on about the wrestling business. And we've heard this a lot of times before. So you come in, you have no wrestling experience. All of a sudden you're with Don noodle and Ivan Koloff. It gets you heat. You didn't do anything. You made one phone call. They showed you, they, you showed up, they put you on TV. That's not on you. Why do you
2: get the heat for that? I, I, again, I think just the fact that just the fact that, you know, I, I mean, it was, let's face it, it was, a, in a sense, a meteoric rise to to stardom, if you want to say that.
0: Yeah.
2: And so, our, I suppose our natural human tendency is there's, there's a, uh, you might say, a, a, a level of jealousy within us all, to, you know, to, well, maybe I shouldn't just lump everybody into one category, but I, I you understand the point I'm making, there's. With some, anyway, there's there's just a level of jealousy, and and to for guys who had been trying to make it, trying to make it, trying to make it, and weren't getting that break, I I walk in off the street, and I'm immediately catapulted into this this uh, position of of uh, very quickly main event, created in itself its own jealousy among among guys, and for for anyone who doesn't realize or know. In those days, anyway, I, I'm—I can't speak for the business, the current product. I'm not in the dressing rooms currently, but I can say without a doubt, back then there was always a jockeying for position. And and as a good friend, Jesse Ventura once, once said, Nikita, this is one of the most backstabbing businesses on the planet, you know. Uh, and he was he and he was right. It, it it just was at least was. I don't know if it is. At least was.
1: To go back to what you said before about um, you just standing there and having to put on a a tough face, were there any times where you just broke and couldn't keep a straight face through someone else's promo? Um,
2: Not necessarily. Well, I'd say not necessarily on camera as much as off camera, Uh, but there were a handful of times in the ring one 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 that immediately comes to mind is a guy named named dick murdoch dirty dick murdoch and we used to joke he used to joke he he reminded us all of of the cartoon character foghorn leghorn I, I, you, you guys you, yep. you, old, you know that 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 cartoon chris absolutely you look too young but uh <laughs> Fog, foghorn leghorn and uh and man, he was, he was the biggest cut up in the ring. He would intentionally try to get you to laugh and you, know, the menacing, you know, nightmare and, and, you know, the epitome of evil, man, there were a couple of times I'd had, I had to bite the turnbuckle, just not to laugh and break character with a guy like Dick Murdoch. He, he was just, he was the funniest guy. One of the funniest guys on the planet. So you come in and immediately you're, I don't want to say saddled, but immediately you're labeled the
0: Russian nightmare. Was it from the get-go that you were going to go against Dusty, you know, American Dream, Russian nightmare? or was it just they figured out that nickname and it worked?
2: That would well Dusty, when I first came into uh, Crockett territory, mid-Atlantic wrestling, as we call it, worldwide wrestling, Dusty was was not yet in the territory. Oh, okay, okay. It, it would be it would be mm, I want to say several months later, I want to say, you know, maybe six months later, four or five, six months later. That that he made the trip from, uh, if I remember my history right, from Florida, uh, from the Florida territory up to the Carolinas, and and, and he immediately, I think, saw, you know, saw a, a great angle there, and how we initiated that was through like an in-ring arm wrestling, you know, uh, uh, exhibition, and and that's where the the natural gravitation from or, or to the Russian Nightmare you know it's already the russian bear ivan koloff the american dream and out of that I'm like yeah american dream i'm going to be your worst nightmare and it just made sense oh the russian nightmare
1: now to go back to that first match of yours uh is it true that jim crockett said uh if you tripped on the ropes you would be fired on the spot
2: yeah he did not say that to me he, he cuz what what happened is is he wanted us to get to the town early we got there late, not, not my fault. I was just long for the ride. And and so we, he wanted us to be able to get in the ring and and show me a couple, show me a few things, show me something. Right. And, and so because we got there late, there wasn't really time to do that. I mean, they're getting ready to let the fans in. And, and so in the dressing room, they showed me how to lock up, how to, you know, how to tie you, just do a couple basic things. And, and then, I think Crockett, because of that, started having second thoughts. And to Ivan's credit, he I think convinced Crockett to still let me go on, and 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 said and told me later he goes now prior to going out. He's like now whatever you do, don't trip on the ropes. And I, in my mind, Stephanie, I'm like, well, how hard can that? How hard could that be? But if you've never tried to crawl in a wrestling ring, it, it's it's not as easy as you think. Number one. So going to the going to the ring, all I kept thinking in my mind was, "Don't trip on the ropes, don't trip on the ropes, don't, don't trip it's on the ropes." Just, it's almost I
0: like telling ab- yourself, "Trip on the ropes," like when you in tell fact, yourself, "I was going
1: to you know, say, I would, would absolutely trip." The trip. <laughs> yeah, then you're going to trip on the ropes. It's just how it works. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's like when y'all play golf and they don't hit your ball in the lake, right? And it goes in the lake. I um three days ago I went
0: golfing for a bachelor party, and uh, like the thirteenth or fourteenth hole the tee box was literally right in front of a lake. So it may be 50 yards. The first thing you say to yourself, let's go on right in that lake. And you don't like, I was driving fine all day long. First shot right in the water. It's like, why it just don't even pretend like it's not even there. But so that first match, that's your first time in a
2: wrestling ring. Yeah. That's insanity. I know it is right. I mean, for real, like even when I think back on it, Chris, it's like, in fact, the word, probably the word surreal kind of fits right there that, yeah. And, and and Don Cronotto, I just talked to him the other day. He typically always brings it up. And he'll say, I, I really, he thinks back on it. He goes, I can't believe we just like threw you in there like we did. He goes, but but you pulled it off. We, we yeah. did. You pulled it off. He goes, but he goes, I, I can't believe we did that.
0: So let me ask that ride to the town. I'm sure you're picking their brain. Are they more telling you things about the ring, or are they really are they still smartening you up
2: to the business? Because you're not even in the business yet. No, Chris, honestly, not really much of of any of the. I don't even know these guys. I just met with them the day before. I'm like, I'm like, who are you? And, and so, like, for real. So I'm like, I, I don't even know that we talked about anything on the way. I don't know if I talked much at all because I don't. I don't know these guys, so I mean, we may have. That's really a great question. I, I honestly, I, I don't, I can't remember talking about much, much of anything on the way to the town. It, it wasn't until we got there that we, I think, really started to discuss what what to do.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, do, what we didn't even cover to begin with. Did you even watch wrestling growing up? Like, did you know? Anything uh,
2: a, a, a little bit. I mean, again, Vern Ganya, AW all star wrestling, AWA wrestling. So uh, the answer, the, the answer would be no, I wasn't a fan of it. I mean, I was, I was familiar with it. Um, I, I could not say I was a fan of it. I mean, you know, you turn the dials back in those days. And, and for those of you who aren't old enough to know we didn't have remote controls, you actually had to get up and walk over to the TV and turn an actual dial so there was no remotes. Um, and but but you know, so you see you'd see a little bit of it. I see a little bit, but it never captured you know my interest to, to watch a whole show every week, right? Oh, I can't wait for wrestling to come on, you know, and 11 a.m. on Sunday or Saturday, or whatever. But but in college, I worked out at at Jesse Ventura's gym. He had a sweat box gym and a bunch of us muscle heads worked out as gym, So I got a little bit more familiar with it by working out at his gym, got to know him, uh, on a personal level. That was kind of cool. We would, I'd maybe try to watch and, and see if he'd be on sometimes, you know, if, if I was not do anything else. And my first live match was, was, I was at the St. Paul civic center. He was doing a deadlift competition against a guy named precious Paul Ellering prior to him becoming the road warriors manager prior to there ever being road warriors. And, and we went down 25 of us from his gym, went down to the show that night. He got us all a bunch of tickets. I I, got to tell you this, this part of the story, because it's, it's important. Uh, it was my first introduction to, to, uh, the fact that wrestling may not be all on the up and up wink, wink, wink. Um, they're doing this deadlift thing. And the announcers announcing the weights and I'm like, like, you know, I know the plates, right. I've been lifting already. And I'm like, I'm like, that dude can't, that dude can't add. He's like, his Memphis. and it was like an aha moment. I'm like, Oh, wait a minute here. Right. But here's the best part of this story. There's 18,000 people in the civic center in St. Paul who are Paul Ellering fans. There's 25 who are Jesse Ventura fans. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like us. Right we're leaving at the end of the night. And, and I promise you this, this gal had to be 85 years old. I don't know how old she was old. And we're all waiting, like get on these elevators and she walks by and I'll never forget it. I just happened to be the one to make eye contact with her. And I promise you just like this, she looks at us and she goes, you, she goes, you're those Jesse Ventura fans. And I'm like, okay. She goes, if I had a knife, I'd stick it in his gut, and I'd stick it in every one of yours too. And I was like, whoa. I was like, whoa, people take this thing like, pretty serious, right? Like for real. That's a true story. For real.
0: Okay, so let's touch on that because I was gonna get to it later, but we just brought it up right now. When you were the Russian Nikita Koloff, you had to have had run-ins with fans who thought you were legit Russians in the middle of the Cold War at like a
2: 7-Eleven in Raleigh, like, you know, what happened then? 7-Eleven, Chris, how about in the ring? So, <laughs> so you get uh, getting people to chant USA was not very hard. Like, for real, you said, Cold War era. Of course, it probably didn't help, like, we go to Fayetteville, which is where, where Fort Bragg is, right? All the soldiers, Fort Bragg, right? 82nd Airborne, that whole deal. And Ivan would cut promos, and on his promo, he, we'd be standing there. He goes, and and I want to see all you soldier boys in the front row in your yellow dresses. And I'm like, like for real, Ivan? Like mi- military guys in their yellow dresses. Well, so it wasn't hard to get heat from the fans, right? And get them to chant USA. That said, I had six different matches where fans got over the barricade. And, in fact, the very first time it happened, your, 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 your audience can go watch. Go watch the Great American Bash 1985, my first match against the Nature Boy Ric Flair for the World Heavyweight title. Keep in mind, I'm only 13 months into the business at this point. And I'm main event against Ric Flair. And you'll see a fan get in the ring, actually get his hands on me. It was not part of the show. You'll see the cops roll in, grab the guy, get him out. They arrest him, take him out. That was the first of six times that fans came, got over the barricade, came after me. He was the only one to get his hands on me, by the way, because after that, I'm like, keep your eyes open, kid. And, and then there were death threats to the Crockett office. You know, the Koloffs. you know, show up in Charleston tonight. We're going to kill him. And he's like, oh, we'll just beef up security. You'll be fine. You know, and uh yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty intense back then, like for real. Yeah, it's crazy.
0: It's mm-hmm. crazy.
2: Mm-hmm. So
0: you kick out Kurnoodle, you bring in Crusher's Khrushchev, aka Barry Dor- Dorso, who you went to high school with. <laughs> um, that's when the, I feel like that's when the group really started to take off and really kind of like you would get a lot of heat for everything. The one thing that I've always wondered, and I don't, I couldn't find anything about this online. You guys were the world's six-man tag champions I never
2: remember you wearing a belt did you ever no, we, have the we, belt? Uh, they actually they actually uh, they, they, they actually created a six-foot trophy I'm like who, and like who's carri- who's gonna carry that around I, I'm not you know I'm not hauling that around but we did from time to time so they didn't have belts they had a six-foot trophy that we we had to lug around you know from from especially for the big shows or whatever um and that that was our six-man championship do, do you want to know where that trophy came from because i know i have no idea
0: okay because i just recently heard it on a podcast yeah so, yeah tony Schiavone.
2: Uh i'm pretty sure it's the crockett cup right no 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 the crockett cup was something completely different okay all right so i'm thinking of the crockett cup yeah the crockett cup was was something complete fortunately we didn't have to lug the crockett cup around okay <laughs> i would to put that on dusty dusty that's on <laughs> throw it in your little red convertible of mercedes dusty anyway no the six-man t- trophy was like like yeah it was just like this this tall this big six foot that, that was something separate of of the crockett cup okay because the crockett cup was originally a, a cup that they came up for
0: the minor league baseball team that the crocketts owned like they had this championship that they kind of made up and made this trophy up. And then it was just sitting in the office. And a couple of years later, they turned that into the Crockett cup. <laughs> All
2: right. Well, that, that's, that makes, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. yeah. They had the, uh, they had a minor league baseball team in Charlotte, the Crockett family. Yeah. So that's where that came from. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. But not, I didn't realize it was two different trophies. <laughs> yeah. Two separate trophies and whatever ended up to, with that. Uh, I, I have no idea where, where it ended up. So, uh, so
0: Steph's been wanting to ask you about, uh, the David Crockett moment. So Steph, why don't you go ahead?
1: Oh yeah. So uh, I watched it, uh, watched it back, but then I also saw that David Crockett just recently talked about it with Conrad and Tony and kind of gave a little bit of his backstory that it kind of sounded like there was a little bit of heat between the two of you. Like you were like kind of frustrated with how much he was talking about you or gave you a hard time.
2: Well, you know, somebody actually sent me a clip of that interview, right? And and By the way, his description of running through the backyard as a kid at night and getting clothesline by a clothesline Mm -hmm. uh, was, was perfect. I mean, I'm like, like that's it. That's, that's that's the description right there. Um, But when I heard him say that, I'm like, David, I'm like, dude, what are you talking about? I like he, I don't remember that. I mean, you know, I mean, he, he had heat with guys just, you know, just because of his style and things he said. But, but I, I, I didn't, I personally, I, I'm going to, I'm going to, when I sit down with them now, I'm like, what are you talking about? Where do you make that up in your mind? Or you just think uh, somebody else tell you that or what? Cause that didn't come out of my mouth. I don't know, Stephanie, like for, for real, like where, why he had that perspective or maybe, I don't know, maybe because of the, you know the way I portrayed my own character—that may- maybe he just thought I hated him and everybody else too. I don't—I I for real don't know. So, but I did hear him say that. I remember watching. Go, David. What are you talking about, Eddie. So,
1: so all these years, he's all these on to that—that that, that you just really took it to him and didn't this. like
2: him. Yeah, like I had a distaste for him and. Took it out on him that night, you know?
1: But, so it was interesting hearing, so Tony had no idea, like, it. so it was very, like, small group of people that actually knew that this was going to happen.
2: Yeah, yeah, and, and that was funny, that was a funny part, too, when Shivani's like, he's in the headset, and he's like, when's this going to happen, when's this going to happen? And he's like, when's, what going to happen? What do they talk about? And two seconds later, it's like, bam, right? And he's like, oh my gosh, is Crockett still alive? But but the thing, yeah, the thing about that era, I feel anyway, it, it's like when I made the turn, and you guys may want to, I'm sure you might want to touch on that, but mm. but that was there was there were three people in that circle: Dusty Rhodes, Jim Cockett Jr., and Nikita Koloff. We we told no one, no one, not a not a soul until the night I walked into the babyface dressing room did they kind of an aha moment for them, nor did the heels over in the other end of the arena have any clue. And honestly, until I walked out kayfabe, as it was called in the day was very real. And, and, and we, we took that to heart. And this would just be one example of that. I want
0: to touch on the turn in a minute, but before we do, I want to go back to the David Crockett thing. And so I was rewatching it. I remember seeing it as a kid, but I was just rewatching it today to get ready for the interview. And you can ask Steph, I complain about this all the time. I'm into believability. And here's what made that moment believable. And it was not only what happened between you and David, but the way they shot it on TV. So if you go back and watch, you line David. He goes down to the ground. The next shot is a wide shot of the crowd. And because you're doing the interview and there's a match getting ready to go in the ring. Everybody kind of stands up like, what the hell was that? And looks to the right, like, because nobody knew what was going to happen. So I feel like if they stayed there on that shot, yes, it would have been as, you know, big a moment. But the fact showing the crowd that everyone was so shocked that everyone at home was like, oh, my God, like nobody knew what was going
2: to happen there. That was really off script. Right. And, and and that, right. And that's, that's, man, that's, that's part of the, and by the way, my philosophy, uh, partly because Ivan and Don, you know, and others had, had coached me old school, old school mentality, old school philosophy. My mentality was when I went to the ring or anything like that, that I did no matter what the fan might in the back of their mind, think about wrestling. They're gonna go like that was real. Like, like. In fact, I can't tell you how many fans uh, guys have said to me at autograph signings and everything else. Um, they walked out of the arena uh, on a night that I wrestled Magnum TA and would say this. I don't know about any of those other matches, but that match against Magnum and the kid, it was real. Like, and that, but that was my goal. That was my philosophy and and what i wanted to portray to all the fans was believability and so that so there you are so
0: you segue perfectly into it because we want to talk about the magnum TA thing i mean the best of seven series and that whole feud was huge for me as a kid like watching that was just major but so magnum gets in the car accident did you think to yourself like oh shit now what like, you know, he's OK, but like career wise, like, OK, now what do we do?
2: I, I didn't even uh, I didn't I didn't even know I was uh, I was on a two week tour in Japan when it happened. And so my my first uh, knowledge of it was in Philadelphia. Dusty and, and Jim Crockett pulled me into a room and and because they because they, they again, you know, that's not the era of cell phones and just, you know, whatever um, so no no news no news hit Japan, so I'm in I'm in Philly that night and they pull me off into a room and, and and truthfully at first when they're telling me I'm like yeah whatever because wrestling's a work right I'm like yeah 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 right it took them a few minutes like honestly to convince me that they were you know shooting on the you know on the square that they were like be serious and I so that so then once that settled in you know I, you you you're gonna take a moment I mean. You know, we were not what I would call the best of friends. We were on a ve- we were on a very cordial. I mean, we had a very we had a great relationship. I felt on on a professional level, but Terry and I weren't the, by any way, stretch of the imagination, the best of friends. Um, and so, for in the moment, as that kind of settled in, I was like, "Wow, that's wow, that's a that's a big deal." And, and so, it took a few minutes for that for that to settle in, and then and then once it did. Then they shared with me the idea of the term, and and um, because obviously it, it left a void, right? With Magnum, you know, Magnum and Dusty, Magnum's being groomed for the world heavyweight title. Um, him and Dusty are, you know, America's team. That whole deal, right? Now all of a sudden, there's a void there. And and, and oh, by the way, you might ask, you might not, if that had never happened. I don't know that Nikita Koloff ever would have been a good guy.
1: I was just going to ask that. I—it's not like that was something that was ever planned. It was just kind of like right. a last minute. Hey, we need this to happen for you to continue.
2: Right. I, I mean, because most likely, had it not happened, Terry and I would have went on. He would have won the world strap from Flair. Him and I had such great chemistry together that we would have. Who knows how many matches we would have had for the world heavyweight title with me at the US champion, number one contender, chain matches, flag versus flag. I mean, we could have run a program for who knows how long, right? And and then the fact that it did happen, and then Crockett and Dusty, you know, come up with the idea of making the turn. and, And I found out not too long ago that someone who had traveled with Dusty prior to his passing had asked him, in regard to that angle, did you know that it would be, you know, payday? You know, that, that, that you know, it would hit pay when you guys did. And he said, truthfully, none of us had any idea whether it would work or not. You know, Nikita becoming a fan favorite or, you know, babyface good guy, whatever. Um, none of us knew when you know how that how the fans would respond to that
0: well that's the funny thing too so if you watch back to when that happens and it's it's a huge pop but when you're coming out and you're walking with dusty the crowd's kind of quiet because they don't know what the hell's going on because dusty's coming out and there's like kind of like a there's a cheer but not as loud but when you hit Oli, then the place explodes because they're kind of like oh my god like what just happened. But why do you think that was? Like you're walking out with Dusty. Like what could they have
2: possibly thought was going on? Well, he, so I mean let's just say a month prior, I, I'm I'm the I'm the you know, again, the epitome of evil, right? And and I mean people people had no problem let me know, you know, I was number one in, in their book, wink wink, right? So <laughs> to speak. And I mean, throwing stuff at me. I mean, I can't tell you how much again, people coming in the ring after me, fans coming after me. Um mm-hmm. And so, I, just uh, just a few weeks prior, that's what they knew of Nikita Golov. And the way we the way we portrayed it was I, I didn't. There was a delay when he went through the curtain. There was there was a a, a 10 second delay, a, a fifteen second pause. So when I walked when I popped through the curtain, you're you're, you're absolutely right. All you could hear playing was some music, and the crowd went into an actual hush. I mean, almost similar to when Ivan Koloff beat Bruno San Martino in Madison Square Garden, and the garden went quiet. They couldn't believe what they just saw. Deja vu. I walk out, and they're not believing what they're seeing. They're like, wait a minute. And, And initially, they're like, he... The kid has been hired to attack dusty from behind or you know whatever why I let him get in the ring right and then as you watch it as you watch – again i put i step over the i step over the barrier I step into the doorway but I don't move immediately right I'm building the story and letting the fans continue to wonder what is gonna happen here so when I step through the the ropes, and then I charge and, and nail Oli, boom. Like you said, the, the place erupts. Next thing you know, guys got their shirts off. They're doing the most muscular like I would do on my interviews. And, 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 and they're going crazy for 15 minutes, you know. Real quick, the interviews
0: are something that always fascinated me. and I've been watching back a lot of the old NWA stuff, especially the like TBS stuff. You were this big, jacked, huge guy. But for some reason, a lot of times you would come out in suits and ties and shirts. Was that just you were like running late and you just had your stuff on
2: or like, why was that? You know, just to put it just to give a different persona um, so that it wasn't, you know, just the same thing over and over and over again. Uh, so it was it was planned. It was it was it was, uh, you know, it was intentional, I guess would be a better word. OK, uh, it was, intentional. you know, just to. You know, being street clothes sometimes, or you know, sometimes you know shirt off, or you know it's like one time, one time Dusty comes out and he's got the big fur coat and his cowboy hat on, right? Mm-hmm. It, and I intentionally came out with no shirt on, so that he and and it's only it's only Dusty can do, right? He like yeah, Nikita Koloff, baby. He's so tough. He can he can be in Siberia, baby, without a shirt on. How tough as Nikita Koloff is, if you will, you know. <laughs> Had to throw the dust. Everyone loves to imitate Dusty. Everybody's got a Dusty.
0: Everybody, we we've talked. Everybody's got a
2: Dusty imitation, right? And 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 so intentional. The kind of the shorter answer is uh, that was that was just intentional.
1: Now, so after you retired from wrestling, uh, you started your own ministry and uh, and a wrestling promotion as well.
2: Well, I did not so much a wrestling promotion for a while because I had I had health clubs back in the days, uh, back in the nineties. Um, And and there was some, there was some space for a ring. And so for about a year, I just entertained the idea and and, and trained just a, a handful of guys who who wanted to break into the business. And um, but but never, I didn't feel like that was really my niche, and so never continued to pursue that. Um, and, and was more really more focused on on what eventually would become full time ministry. Call off for Christ Ministries. Uh, that you know fast forward 27 years later Stephanie and and again like many things in my life let me just say this so all of your all of your audience now knows you know wrestling wasn't a dream of mine growing up as a kid I mean a door of opportunity opened up and and I walked through the door and and the results are are what they are so I wasn't necessarily looking for wrestling I, I I never in a million years dreamed I'd be an evangelist I'd be a minister I'd have 콜 off for Christmas I, mean, I travel I mean I've traveled to 30 countries now I've preached in 1200 plus churches 28 different denominations Lex Luger and I have a ministry called Man Camp that we co-facilitate together I mean none of this you know did I anticipate um but nevertheless um you know those those opportunities presented themselves uh, like yourselves you know, a year ago, a door of opportunity opened up for a weekly radio show and, and a podcast, you know, it's called called the Mana podcast. I wasn't looking at being in broadcasting and radio, but that opportunity presented itself. And and so here it is. So, yeah, I look back on my journey, guys. And, you know, I'm just, you know, quite, honestly, quite humbled by everything I've been able to do, you know, starting with the wrestling career.
0: Do you feel like if you didn't start where you did with wrestling,
2: that you would have found yourself in ministry? No, I, I, I don't. I, I, uh, I like to say it this way. I, I'm convinced God's got a sense of humor. Now, here's here's what I mean by that. In high school, the wrestling coach. Now, this sounds like a wrestling name, right? Pete Grigelko. That just sounds like a wrestler, doesn't it? Mm. Pete. Gr- Elko. I mean, he had no neck. I mean, he was, he, was, he was your people said I had big traps and everything back in the day. You know, they went to the moon and, and I did. But Pete Rigelko tried to get me into, into wrestling in high school. And honestly, guys, I thought to myself, I go, two sweaty guys grabbing the, each other in their little, you know, their little underwear in front in front of 12 family members does not appeal to me. I'm like, give me a helmet. Give you a shoulder, some shoulder, but let me knock somebody's head off. Yeah, that to me, right? Here's where God's sense of humor comes in. What do I end up doing for a living? Grabbing sweaty guys in my little leotard for a worldwide audience, no less, right? So I say that to say this: I'm I'm 100 convinced that part of part of His plan for my life was to put me in a position open a door of opportunity to get into professional wrestling that later would become a platform for ministry, because it is, I mean, pretty much where I'm going this weekend, talk to the pastor today, and he's a wrestling fan like yourselves from way back. And he goes, people are so excited about you coming, and I know people are going to come and hear what you have to say that would never come to hear me preach. And so I, I'm convinced guys that for me personally, it was uh, just a part of God's plan for my life to open that door for wrestling. It become a platform to take me around the world to now share really his story through that platform.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I know I was watching, um, one of the videos from, I think a, a recent thing you had done, uh, and I have never been a church person. I didn't grow up religious or, or going to church, but even watching your video, it was just kind of like captivated by it. And yeah. just your message and the way, the way you said it just, just got me. So it's, I, I, I don't doubt that for one second that that's what, you, where you were meant to go.
2: Well, and, and I appreciate that, Stephanie. And, and two, two quick comments on that. Um, we, we essentially have have that in common, like for real, you and I. And, and what I mean by that is I didn't grow up in church either, um, and I'm not religious. Because uh, for, for me, personally, for me, it's not about religion. It's about a personal relationship. And so I'm, I'm all about relationships, one, with the, with the Father in heaven, but secondly, with, with everyone I come into contact with, I hope that I can establish some level of relationship with them whether it's a friendship, an acquaintance, or, or, or whatever. But, to, you know, the wrestling fan, a level of relationship when I meet that new wrestling fan. Um, and, and so, I, honestly, I, I thank you for those comments um, because what I try to do when I go out and speak is just speak from the heart and just share how, how my life I feel was personally changed by that relationship. And then hopefully it resonates with others who are listening you know, like yourself. So I, I, so we have that in common, Stephanie, those two. Th-
1: there you go. Well, yeah. it definitely did resonate. It's, it was just so genuine. And, and mm. the, the way you speak watching, even just watching previous interviews that you've done, just yeah. I going into this, I knew this was gonna be such a great conversation because of just how genuine you are. And it does seem like you, you really are a relationship builder, like you said.
2: Uh, I, I appreciate it. I, that. That means that means a lot. It really does, and I'm not just saying that. It really does. Thank you.
1: Okay, good, good. Um, Let's switch gears just a little bit. Um, but heard that your family was on an episode of America's Funniest Home Videos. You won.
2: Is this So my my daughter Tawny uh, when she was a lot younger. <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> A good idea. Before, don't say her age. <laughs> <laughs> well, she she probably she she's actually one daughter that wouldn't mind. But okay. what I, I will say this, she she just she just blessed me with a with, with my ninth grandchild, her fourth child, and my ninth grandchild. Congratulations! Yeah, exactly right. I'm like, what? I know what you're thinking, Chris. You don't look old enough to have nine grandchildren. and I appreciate that. <laughs> Not so. gonna say that. I think it's something in the water. It's in the water. Again, it's in the water. But, um, yeah, when she was little, uh, the town we were living in in North Carolina at the mall, we're out at the mall one day and there's this advertisement that America's funniest people are having tryouts. And, and she's like, she's like eight or nine years old. She's like, daddy, I want to go try out. I go, okay, what are you going to do? She was, I want to imitate you. And I go, Honey, I, I that that really that blesses my heart, but I don't know that people are gonna think that's funny. And she's like, no, oh, no. She's like, I oh, want. She was so insistent, and I'm like, oh, okay, all right. So she goes. I, I'm I'm hanging in like for real, like in the shadows, in the background, right? She goes up. Her mom takes her up, and, and she. So there's this big crowd. Now we're in North Carolina, right? So we're in the heart of Mid Atlantic wrestling audience, right? So she comes this innocent little brown-haired little innocent girl comes up and they're like, okay, honey, what are you gonna do? She goes, I'm gonna imitate my daddy. And they're like, okay. So she goes, they, they go, roll camera. she goes, I'm, I'm imitating my daddy, Nikita Koloff, the Russian Nightmare. And she goes, ah, she like poses, sticks her tongue out. And the whole crowd goes crazy. Like, because you're wrestling fans, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh my gosh. And the director goes, Honey, is your dad here? And she goes, yeah, he's like, like right over there. And, and everyone's turning and looking. Right. And, and he's like, come, come here. I'm like, Oh Lord. I'm like, Stop. this is what I didn't want to happen. Like for real. Right. Cause I'm retired. I'm retired at this point. So they call me over and the guy goes, honey, can you do that again? Like just like that. And, and, and dad, can you walk in behind her and, and do it too? And I'm like, yeah, uh, yeah, sure. So we do, and the crowd goes crazy again. Well, I thought, well, that's it, right? Ah, that was fun, honey. You're you fifteen minutes of fame. There you go. A couple weeks later, we get a phone call. Hey, you're one of the three finalists. And I'm like, like for real, like like you. Can't? And they're like, god oh, we're gonna fly your whole family out, and she's Tony's gonna be on the show. Blah blah blah. Well, anyone knows that show? They pick they pick the number two winner, mm-hmm. and it becomes between. First and third, you know, ten grand, two grand, right? And the other guys are two comedians from Vegas. Like, God, oh, guys. Well, all that said, she ends up winning third. I think it was rigged. Just saying. Anyway, <laughs> uh, she won two grand, and and we had a free trip to California and had a great time. That's so, yeah. That's funniest. Awesome. Yeah, America's funniest videos. Yes. Yeah. As a, as a father.
0: Like I love that story because I mean she's imitating you. That's got to be flattering, right? Yes, absolutely. Because I know if yes. my kid said we're gonna imitate Dad, God,
2: I don't even want to know what they would do. <laughs> 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 like, yeah, know. no, for real. It was a, It was one of the highest compliments that that she could pay. She was so sincere. Her heart, her little heart, was so innocent and sincere and sweet. And I'm like, oh, okay, honey, and. And to this day, she should for, for she should have won the 10 grand. I don't care what anyone else says. She should have won the 10 grand. I didn't even see the video, and I'm gonna agree with you. <laughs> come on, come on. She was just too she was too cute. Are you kidding me? Two comedians from Las Vegas? Are you kidding me? Diamond the they're in every casino. Yeah, they're in every casino. That's, yeah, that's so, where they came in from. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. Uh before we let you go, we have this little game we play at the end of our shows. It's called the 10 count. 10 quick questions. First thing that pops in your mind for the answer, and I'm going to let Steph start us off with number one.
1: All right. Number one, name one item from your career you wish you held on to.
2: Ooh. Um, the belt that all the fans asked me for, the one I destroyed on the ring post, uh, I, I wish I'd held on to that, that belt that I destroyed. Was it the U.S. title? It was. That's what I thought.
0: Okay. Yep. All right. Number two, name one item from your career that you
2: actually still have UWF World Heavyweight Title Unification Match, Chicago, Starcade 1987. Does Conrad Thompson know this and has he
0: tried to buy it off you yet? (laughs) He has. That's what I figured. Okay.
2: (laughs) I still have it. Okay. Just wondering. Priceless, not for sale. Got it. (laughs)
1: all right he's not
0: the first to try to buy it from me though however i figured but he's very good at it so i thought maybe there was a couple
2: offers in there so yeah i yeah i didn't even give him the chance the opportunity
1: to offer got you (laughs) just said no (laughs) not happening (laughs) uh this one's interesting question number three what's the weirdest smell you have ever smelled who
2: um the paper mill in Savannah, Georgia, and and, and a, a close second or maybe maybe a tie for first is the paper mill on uh, the way to Norfolk, Virginia. What was weird about the smells? It, it's horrifying, and you can't and you can't get away from it because because it it permeates the air. So you know it's coming as you get closer, and you know it and you know once you get a certain distance away from it. It, but it fills your car and it just, it, it just, it just well, for me, just gags you. It's like, it's its, it's awful.
1: Interesting. I had no I, idea. Yeah. I've
2: never heard that before.
0: Wow. Yep. From paper mills. <laughs> uh, yep. Number four. Do you own a Nikita Koloff action figure?
2: Yes. Okay. There are some stored in the attic for my children slash grandchildren. That's cool. That's awesome. Uh, I only did one. Right, with the jack it was the Jax one, the
0: WWE Jack specific one. Let's yeah, let's, yeah. I I want to sidebar off that for a second. Um, how much merchandise do you think you would have moved? So back in mid 80s, Vince McMahon was like a merchandise machine and they used to make those figures and, and shirts. You guys never really had anything. Like you would maybe make your own shirts, like you would like press letters on there, or you kinda of had ones. Like, do you ever get mad at like if they just had something in place to make like Nikita Koloff shirts or, you know, uh, action figures, how much money you would have made
2: back then? Uh, I, I don't, I don't get mad, but looking back, uh, the, the one who was quoted in charge of that shall remain nameless. <laughs> don't want to throw anyone under the bus, Okay. Uh, but not the right person for marketing. Did, did did not, in my view, did not know to your point, did not know how to market, and there's no telling. I mean, the the one or the couple T-shirts I had, the only one who outsold me, even at believe it or not, even as a as a heel, as a bad guy, was rick Flair's shirt. The Nikita Koloff, you know, Russian Nightmare. I mean, that shirt was the number two seller for them. Um, to your point, there's so much more that that they certainly could have done and or shared revenue with the guys, which they were not, for the record, real good at doing that with what they actually did produce. And, hey, for for all your audience out there, I did one action figure, and there's one legitimate video or or a gamer out there, Retromania, that, uh, that I agreed to just, that just has just recently come out that, uh, your fan, your, your fans may have some fun with Retromania. That's yeah. the one legit game that
0: I agreed to do. I've seen that one. It looks like a lot of fun. I have not played it yet, but I have seen it.
1: Yeah. So we're on number five. If the Nikita Koloff of 2021 was 20 years old, do you think he'd try to pursue a wrestling career?
2: Whoa. I'm supposed to give you a quick
1: answer to that stuff. <laughs> I know that's, Hey, that's, that's Chris's brainchild there. He's the one. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: <clears throat> well, I mean, do I, do I get to say if you know how we always say, if I knew then what I know now, you know, I, I would have done some things different. I mean, I mean, so knowing what I know, um, yeah, I probably, uh, yeah, I, I probably would have, uh, pursued the, the, the same career knowing, knowing what, Knowing where it ended up, yes, I probably would have. Okay. All right, so number six. Now,
0: let's exclude the first road trip going to squash a guy in 12 seconds with uh, Koloff and Carnoodle. But besides that, what's the weirdest thing that ever happened to you on a road trip?
2: Ooh, ooh, weirdest thing. Um, well... I mean, I don't know how weird it is, but <clears throat> we were in uh, we were in uh, we were so we were down near the Mexican border in Texas wrestling. Um, change of planes, small town, and it's where I learned not to really check my my wrestling gear in at the airport because you know how they have had a tendency to lose luggage in the past, and. And so they misplaced my luggage. So I had no gear. And I'm like, what the heck? What am I going to do? I still had to work. So believe it or not, I had, I, I remember this far, I had Arn Anderson's wrestling boots. So I got i got AA on the side of my boots, Arn, lace-up, and I was not a lace-up boot guy. I i, I just, I, I was not going to do that. But I, I had Arn Anderson's wrestling boots, but I remember, all right, I had Dick Murdoch's wrestling trunks, just a little – the short trunks, not a singlet or anything. That was weird because I, I just – I always wore the singlet, right? So it just felt weird. And and I borrowed somebody else's knee pads, and, of course, that, that was the only gear that I, I, I wore to the ring. So that, that was a weird night. That was a weird feeling, a weird night. I, I wonder if a picture of that exists. I don't know it, it was a it was just a small house show and like like really, I think we were like, I don't even remember what time I think we were like ten miles off the Mexican border. I mean we were we were down, yeah in in, in cowboy country it's mm-hmm. crazy,
1: yeah, all right. so number seven of that high school class or overall high school since you told us the other guys, who was the toughest guy hmm.
2: I, I would i would. I mean, I'm tempted to say, tempted to say Kurt Henning. However, I'm going to probably have to go with, with, with Rick Rude because Rick's dad was a golden gloves boxer back in the day. And, and he basically Rick didn't have uh, the, I would say the, the best of upbringing. So the best of, of relationship with his dad, I think his dad used him as a punching bag at times for practice. Um, just to toughen Rick up. And and, and Rick was, Rick was tough. I mean, he was lean and wiry and, but, but he, he was one tough guy. So I'd have to say ravishing, the ravishing one, Rick Root. That seems to be a general consensus with
0: people who didn't even go to your high school to say Rick Root. I remember hearing one story and I mean, it's well known that Kurt Henning was like one of the biggest ribbers around but there was one where they would be at bars and Kurt Henning would challenge people to arm wrestling competitions, but then say, but first you got to beat my buddy. And he would make people wrestle Rick rude first, who was actually a legit arm wrestler. And right. rude would just like wipe the floor with people. And then what right. else? Something. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I could
2: verify those stories. You got any good Kurt Henning rib stories? Well, what, one, not, if not so funny for me, uh, I was a sophomore in high school, and this was back in the day. I don't even tell me if your audience even knows what letter jackets are, but <laughs> I get my. I guess they don't even do those anymore. They don't even have letter j- I don't think, do they?
1: they I, th- I think they do now. You I don't think know. They, they still
0: when do. I was in high school. Yeah, I, I think I've seen kids like in the area wearing letter jackets.
2: I think. I, I, I mean, that was for for that was a big deal when I was in high school. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, we had the, you know, I mean, we the, 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 the kind of the cloth and the leather arms and, and okay. stitch the leather, you know, when you, when you lettered in varsity, mm. stitch in leather and, and little football pins for a war. I mean, that was a big, big deal. Mm. Well, myself and two other sophomores were the only guys that ever, that ever our sophomore year not only dressed for varsity, which our head coach was not a big—he he didn't really kind of believe in that—but we were we were good enough to do it, and actually even played on the varsity as sophomores. So I had my letter jacket, felt confident I was going to letter. We had an afternoon game, and and I got out of school early. I threw my—I put my letter jacket in the locker. Now I'm a sophomore, right? I'm like you know, 15, 16 years old, pretty impressionable. Um, and, and I went to check out my football uniform and came back and my letter jackets missing out of my locker. And I, and I, of course, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm upset, right? I'm like, what the heck? I'm like, and then, and it was kind of an aha moment. Like who would do this? Well, knowing Henning and the joker that he was even back then, and then his sidekick rude who was in on it i went to the high school captain a uh, greg shutton and i was i wasn't in tears but i was pretty upset and i'm like greg somebody stole my letter jacket out of my locker i think i know who it is but i'm not sure he's like well give me a minute just go go get dressed you know go get get your uniform on 10 minutes later here he comes you know toting my my letter jacket and I'm like verifying that I, I I was right. I knew who it was. I was not happy with the two of them. They were not on the top of my list. After that, uh, it's amazing. It's and it's so on. It's all so on point for
0: them. Like it just it feels like something they absolutely would do. <laughs> it,
2: it is. So it's not obviously it's not wrestling related per se, but just to give you a little backstory on on how far back Henning and Rude's uh, jokes go. Yeah. Um, Okay, so number eight, since you were a big gym rat back in the day,
0: what's one workout trend you tried when you were younger that you look back on now and you're like, man, that was stupid? So a a workout that I, that I... It could be an exercise or something you did back in the day in the gym where you're just like, you thought that was a smart thing to do and you just look back and you're like, I'll give you a good example because I see these once in a while. Do you remember those machines where you would literally strap your neck in and put the plate at the bottom, and then you'd like move your neck to lift yes. the weight. Like that can't be good for you. <laughs> I, I actually did those, Chris. <laughs> of course you did. Like everybody did. It's a machine in the gym. You're like, okay, they make this machine. It must be
2: good for me. But like lifting a weight with your head, that can't be good. Well, actually, you know what? It, back in the day, it wasn't even a machine, Chris. It was, it was a it was like a it was headgear you put on. Mm. Uh, it, I remember it. And we it had two, two chains. You like stick the, stick the chain through the hole in the plate and then strap it on the other side, you know, up, down, you know, you know, like you're talking about. And, uh, yeah, it probably wasn't good. It's probably the reason I have a deteriorating disc right now. I'm bone spurring arthritis, uh, in my neck, uh, combined with the fact that I was a human crash dummy for 20, 25 years between football and wrestling. But, uh, so uh, that's a pretty good illustration. I, another one outside of that, um, I I don't feel like I feel like because at such a young age, I, I was a student of that, that I did. I did, didn't do too many that 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 I would look back on and go, that was just stupid. So that the one you, the one you brought up was probably the closest to it. OK, <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's a legitimate one. Yeah. All right. So number nine, have you ever sent a text message to the wrong person?
2: Well, more than one time and you can't take it back. You know, like, oh no. Huh. It, it, yeah. I talk about an embarrassing moment and, and, and no, I don't remember specifically what they were. I only remember doing it and, re- and remember being embarrassed doing it. Yeah. So yeah,
0: I have. And it could even be the most harmless thing, but then you find yourself now you're explaining the entire backstory of the text, and you're just like, What's what, what's going on with my
2: life right now? I'm <laughs> explaining like Right. You're just doing things so fast, you're like, Oh, oh my gosh, that was not who I intended to send that to. Yeah, have so, you ever been yeah. on the wrong end of the text message? You ever get a text message
0: where you're like, that's not for me? <laughs>
2: Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah, a couple, a couple, just, just recently, they're like, oh so sorry. Like that was not meant for you. <laughs> all right. All good. All that's good. Hilarious. Especially because the good thing is you don't see the person. <laughs>
0: right. That's right. And then, so number 10, this one, uh, this one's a fun one. What word or expression do you hate the most? They've all been
2: fun, Chris, just so you know. So, uh, <laughs> um, what what word or expression do I do I do I hate the most?
0: Yeah. Like, is there an expression people oh. use if you're just like, oh, just stop?
2: Huh. Yeah, that's a that's a, gosh, that's a that's a good one. That's almost one that you gotta kind of think on for, but I know you want a, a quick uh, a quick answer. I'm trying to think of what let's 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 make steph the guinea pig. Steph, do you have any expressions oh, or gee. Words?
1: I don't, I don't I, think so. Again, it's going to, it'll come to me later. Like I'll, an hour later, I'll be like, Oh, that one.
2: I have, I'm probably with you, Stephanie. I'm like, I'm like, Oh, why
0: didn't I say that? Um, I'll get the ball rolling. Cause sometimes when you say something, it gets it rolling. I have one, yeah. thing, but only because people get wrong. Okay. And one that people get wrong the most is when instead of saying for all intents and purposes, people will say for all intensive purposes. And I'm like, it's not the intensive care unit. It's intense and purposes, <laughs> not intensive. Like, and they'll really, and people will say, you know, for all intensive purposes. And I'm like, no, that's
2: not the expression. That's not, you're not using
0: it right. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, gosh. Yeah. No, that, that's uh man. I'm just really trying to, yeah, I'll probably think of 10 of them when we, when we end the interview, yeah. but uh,
0: Okay, so I'll ask you this one instead. How do you feel about? You've probably gotten used to it by now, but how did you feel in the beginning when outsiders would use insider wrestling terms to you?
2: I was not happy. That, that's that's a great question. Um, I was not happy at all. I'm still not, still not happy. I mean, I mean, I, I, I once it was uh, exposed as wrestling entertainment. Mm-hmm. Um, and and keep in mind, I'm retired at this point, and I'm not really following wrestling, but you know, I pick up bits and pieces and hear things here and there. I mean, I'm an old school guy, right? That's how I was trained. I I mentioned the word K earlier. I mean, I mean guys would say, so to to illustrate this point, I remember when 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 Mark Merrill, Johnny B. Bad, okay, know that name? Yep. Mark Merrill. Uh, a while back, Mark and I were in an autograph signing together. He goes, "I got to tell you this story. When we, when I first came in the Crockett territory, and he goes, two things. One, when I first met you, he goes, he goes, you scared the bejeebers out of me. And I, and I'm smart to the business. I'm like, that guy's scary, right? And I can't tell you, fa- fans at the last autograph signing I just did said, dude, uh, as a ten-year-old kid, you, you scared the crap out of me. You know. So anyway, you too, right? Okay. <laughs> and Mark goes. I'm sitting in these dressing rooms. I'm looking across the dressing room at you. And like, I'm like, that dude's like scary. He goes, but then you talk in your accent in the dressing room. And I'm like, does he know we're smart to the business? Does he not? <laughs> right. But I was so kayfabe. I, I I never listen. I didn't speak English anywhere outside of the dress, you know, uh, anywhere in public. And I never knew when, when, when a a cop or somebody was going to walk into the dressing room. So I want to protect my character. Right. And, and and for three years after my retirement, I still spoke with that accent anywhere in public, Uh, (laughs) making a point here. Right. So I was, that was that protective of the business. So when they started, started saying, Oh, it's wrestling entertainment and, and letting kayfabe go i just it was not a happy camper still not happy about it and, and uh you know in one sense i in one sense i think it it, it ruined the business for you the fan in in one sense because it took what i feel it is the mystery out of of the of the uh of the art of the business it took the mystery out of it and, and so anyway hold that help
0: I feel like I, I. feel like I ended on a downer.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I so well related to like living the gimmick like that. I was watching a video about um. You were talking about your Rocky Four audition and how even with Sylv- Sylvester Stallone, you were like just staying in character the whole time.
2: The whole time. The whole, I I, I did I'm telling you, I I didn't break. So there's the high note, Chris. Well, I didn't break anywhere i mean i'm testing i'm screen testing for rocky for IV, ivan drago and i am in i'm not only in character for the screen test because I'm, I'm supposed to be this russian boxer right no off camera i'm talking to sylvester in the accent it n- not never breaking character ever that's how much I protected the character. I mean, my gosh, I legally changed my name. I, I learned a few names, in, you know, a few, few words in Russian. My kids are named Koloff. I mean, come on. Do you, do you remember the conversation with Sly? Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, it was, I mean, we did, we did, we we conversed, you know, we, we talked about, <laughs> one funny part was he... I'm thinking he's looking at me right now. Remember 285, 8% body fat, 34-inch waist. Well, for those who don't know, I mean, on the silver screen, he looks ginormous, right? Like bigger than life. Mm-hmm. In real life, like for real, he's 5'6, he's about a, a buck 60. Mm-hmm. I mean, with rocks in his pockets, mm-hmm. right? I mean, he's not a big guy. He's pretty ripped, mm-hmm. but he's not a big guy. So 160, 285, mm-hmm. Two, five, six, <laughs> and 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 I do two screen tests by myself. He says, "Let's do one more together, and, and shoulder to side by side." Halfway through, finish your lines, but turn towards me. Let's do a nose to nose stare now. All right, he says. But finish your lines. I'm like I could, I can do that. We do it. They yell cut. He asks, "How was it?" Now, never forget. The director, quote unquote, says. It was really good till you turned towards each other. But then we lost you in his shadow, meaning I was so big they couldn't see Stallone on on their screen. Like he disappeared, basically. And I thought two things real quick. One, not good for his ego. Secondly, not good for my opportunity. (laughs) But we talked after that, uh, Chris, and he's like, hey, you know, do you you know how to pull punches? Because I'm thinking he's looking at me going, man, if this guy lands the role – He's gonna knock my head off my shoulders, you know. And, and uh, uh, so we were just talking a little bit about boxing and 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 you know role playing and and just kind of small talk is was basically what what we did and 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 that was uh, really kind of the length of our conversation. He was very cordial, great guy. Nothing but good things to say about him. Do you think ultimately that's why they ended up going with an actor? Because I mean,
0: back then we're talking about mid eighties. You know, people very much still thought wrestling was real. So he's probably thinking in his mind, okay, it's a lot easier to teach an actor how to pull punches than this, quote unquote, wrestler who could
2: almost knock my head off if, you know, he's not careful. Well, for for the record, Dolph wasn't wasn't an actor. That was his first role ever. Oh, really? Yeah, he was he was a uh, back before the MMA. He was a kickboxer. Right. Okay. True. Yeah. And, and so people say, yeah, but he was tall. Well, he was, he was about six, three, but he was only 205 pounds. So 80 pounds of muscle less. Mm. Okay. And, and so that was actually his first gig. And, and so he had never, and they, and by the way, if you, when you go back and watch the movie, he had very few lines for that reason.
0: Mm.
2: And the director would later call me and say to me, Nikita, man, if, if it was based on, on delivering the lines hands down 100 percent, you'd have the role but even for hollywood your size with a 35 year old rocky even for hollywood it would just be too unbelievable that, that he could beat a guy that looks like you mm, what and thanks that, to the fans I just recently learned this. I had no idea. I had to go look this up and go, is this for real? Are they pull on my leg. They sent me, they sent me uh, uh, just not long ago. They sent, they said, I hope you got royalties for this. I had no idea, but keep in mind, Ivan Drago, right? Ivan, Ivan Koloff, Ivan Drago. They said, do you know what his manager's name was? I'm like, I don't know. I, I, speaking of Ivan Dragos, in the movie, I go, I have no clue. And they sent it to me, and it was Nikolai Koloff, K-O-L-O-F-F. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, for real? Like, Ivan and Koloff? And and I said to them, I go, no, there was no royalty involved in that whatsoever. And I'm like, Really? Really? You're going to use our names, but not give us any acknowledgement like for real. like, all right, whatever.
0: That's amazing. Well, I, I feel better that we're leaving on a high note now.
2: <laughs> good. Well, good. Well, good. It, it's all been hey, you guys. It's been a great. Uh, thank you guys. Like both. Stephanie, Chris. Thank you guys.
0: Well, tell everybody where they can find you. Tell them all about your websites and where we can learn about the ministry and everything.
2: Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Yeah, just you know, follow me on social media: uh, Twitter, Instagram. Nikita Koloff of the number one behind it. That's that's me on Instagram and Twitter, and and you'll see my goal every day is is to is to put a positive message out there every day that that many people say, man, I just I needed to hear just that today that just happened today, as a matter of fact. And uh, I'm just I'm an encourager, as you might 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 guess. And uh, on Facebook, the real me, the real me on Facebook. Look for me, because there are, believe it or not, there's some imposters out there. Um, but, on social
0: media, get out. <laughs> yeah,
2: You're kidding. Who would have ever thunk
0: it, right? But um, There's imposters of me out there, so I know there's imposters of you.
2: I know, right? For real. So the real hate. me on Facebook, look for me. Look for me. There's there's me. Uh, it's actually me, the million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase. Hmm. Another far ours, Jason Sanderson, we're standing in a river. Look for us standing in a river. That's actually the Jordan River in Israel. We were taking turns baptizing each other, kind of following the footsteps of Jesus. Um, that's the real me on Facebook. So that's where you'll find me there. Okay. Website, go to koloff.net. Koloff.net is actually a brand new website. And I've got, actually go to the store site too. I got two books on there, Re- Wrestling with Success. And Nikita, A Tale of the Ring of Redemption. One's inspirational. One's motivational. Um, working on a brand new book and 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 re- remaking uh, the very first book I wrote uh, down the road here, and uh, and the other go on, go check go check out go look look me up on the podcast platform. I I actually I'm live on the radio or not live on the radio, but I, I broadcast on the radio on 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 weekends on Truth Radio Network out of Winston Salem across the Carolinas and Virginia. Then it goes up onto about seventy five podcast platforms. It's just called the Man Up podcast. Sting interview, Luger interview, Jackson Riker with WWE Raw. Uh, just, just just, put uh, Magnum TA's interview out there. Go go check out the podcast.
1: It's awesome. Staying busy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, that's just a few things I'm doing, Stephanie. I didn't... I,
1: right. For, One say, of many. Everything. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, that's why we, they got to go to the website and find out everything else you're doing.
2: That's right. That's correct. Nikita, we want to thank you for taking out of your time to, to talk to us. We, we love talking to you. No, you guys are great. Thank you so much. I, I appreciate, I just appreciate the opportunity to come on and share some of my story. Thank, thank you. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Stephanie.
1: Thank you. Wow. You made it to the end of the episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, and leave a rating and review on iTunes. To catch all the latest from myself, Chris, and our podcast, you can go to www.notaboutwrestling.com. You'll find previous episodes, articles from episodes, and links to all of our social accounts. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.